Welcome to the Gateway Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message from our Christmas series helps you to prepare Him room as you discover the peace that we have in Jesus. I, I know we're going to give a generous gift this Christmas. I've loved going around to our carol services in our other campuses already this weekend and just here last weekend and just talking to people saying, of course this is the next step for Bloom. Of course this is going to, uh, to bring a greater blessing than what we've uh, seen before. Come on, who's excited about what God is doing at Bloom and how this gift is going to bring change into the future? You know, seeing uh, God heal the lives of broken women at Bloom over the last 13 years has been one of the great joys of my life, and I'm looking forward to uh, this gift actually bringing generational change, to see women and children that will never have to face the horrors of human trafficking. So I really want to encourage you uh, to, to give generously, whether it's today or at our carol services or on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, uh, let's be part of giving a a great gift. As I said before, uh, we've got a lot of carol services uh, this year. We've got four here uh, at Mackenzie, but this weekend uh, we've already had three at, at Redlands and Logan, and then tonight there's two more services in our city campus, and tomorrow uh, at Ormo, and they've been fantastic uh, occasions to actually bring your family and friends along to, to hear the good news about Jesus. Been really, really exciting exciting to just uh, sit there and to see so many uh, families enjoying uh, the message of Christmas, but also to look on stage and to see the, major- the average age on stage is about 21. We've got a generation of young people in this church who are willing to make sacrifices and they've got a desire to use their gifts and their talents to actually shine a light on who Jesus is. So keep praying for them. They're doing an incredible job. I'm very, very uh, proud of them, even though they're not here right now. Why don't you just put your hands together and just thank God for the way that he's at work in the lives of our young people. I've had a lot of comments this morning about the colour of my shirt. Um, my sister, someone just said it's not blue, thank you. I am colorblind, but I'm not that bad. My sister gave me this shirt last Christmas, so I thought I'd better wear it before this Christmas to keep peace in our family. If you are watching this morning, Kiralee, thank you. It's the thought that counts. But this Christmas, can you just give me another blue one, please? <laughs> Too many comments. But I I would uh, love for there to be peace in all of our families, to have peace on earth this Christmas. I'm going to pray for that right now. Father, thank you that you, you came, you sent your son Jesus into this world to bring peace. Thank you for the peace that we have through the shedding of his blood on the cross. And God, this morning I pray for people who've walked in here feeling a little anxious maybe stressed, in conflict. God, I pray that we would walk out with hearts full of peace. We would walk out with the courage to go and make peace. That God, we would know peace in our families, in our neighbourhoods, in our communities, that we would be peacemakers who bring peace on earth this Christmas. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We don't have to look too hard or look very far to see that we are actually living in a world at war. Every time you turn on the news or open your browser, uh, you'll see and hear stories of war. Obviously, there's a war that is still raging uh, in the Ukraine. There's wars uh, going on in Afghanistan and Somalia and Colombia and Syria and Yemen. And sometimes they are wars where nations are fighting one another and sometimes they are wars where nations are fighting other nations. And you know, throughout the last 4,000 years of world history, 
There's only been 7% of the time that we've truly known world peace in 4,000 years. There's been 8,000 peace treaties that have been signed and broken over that time, at least that are known of. And we as a nation, we actually send peacekeeping forces to other nations to, 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 to stop nations from killing one another. You know, we, we, we are a world at war. If we come a little bit closer to home, even in our own streets, our own communities, you know, we, we, we see one tribe at war against another tribe. You know, we all belong to a tribe of some sort. It might be uh, just... It, it, it might be defined by racial heritage, it might be defined by socioeconomic status, or particularly in the last few years, it's become defined by political ideologies and become being more and more polarised as a community, depending on which side of the fence that we're sitting on. And sometimes, you know, that, that war is just a war of words on Facebook, and sometimes we see violence in our own streets and we actually need somebody to come between those two warring tribes to try and keep the peace. If we go just a little bit closer to home again, in our own families, sometimes there's a war of words or there's a war of wills against one another. And sadly... Many times that ends in separation, broken relationship, divorce, families being ripped apart. In fact, last year, the gap between the number of people being married and the number of divorces that were approved in Australia was closer than ever. 56,000, over 56,000 divorces in 2021 alone in Australia. The divorce rate in Australia is now 43%. Lots of families being ripped apart. And sadly, in some families, it's not just a war of words or a clash of wills, but one in six Australian women will, will actually experience domestic abuse at some domestic violence, at some stage in their family, one in six. We're a world at war. Everywhere we look, there's conflict. There's, there's, there's relationships and families being torn apart. There's different groups and communities being torn apart. And we might look at those stats and say, well, that doesn't really affect me. You know, I, I'm not bearing arms against another, you know, group in my nation, and I would never raise my fists in anger against another person, let alone my partner. But all of us have got some relationships that are in conflict, some relationships where there's not true peace, some relationships maybe where we're purposely keeping our distance because we know if we got too close, we might say some words to hurt one another or maybe those words have already been said and so we're choosing to keep our distance. And so we look at what is going on in our own heart and our own lives and we look at what is going on in the world and we go, is peace on earth possible like peace on earth is synonymous with Christmas we sung about it already today when we used to send Christmas cards it used to be written all over Christmas cards you know I got a coffee the other day and it had peace on earth on the disposable coffee cup you know, there's peace on earth on, on chocolates. There's, there's peace on earth hanging off the lights in our council at the moment. They go up every December at this time of year. Everywhere we look, there's peace on earth lit up in people's front yards. Everywhere we look, we hear and we sing about peace on earth. It's synonymous with Christian, Christmas with good reason. You know, about 600 years before the first Christmas, the prophet Isaiah said, said this, to us a child is given, a son is born, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince 
of peace, of the greatness of his government and his peace, there will be no end. Big promise. A prince of peace is coming. You know, his peace will actually, you know, bring a a lasting peace. It'll be so powerful that it will not end. And then for the next 600 years, wars continued to rage. Kingdoms continued to fight against one another and to take up arms against one another. And, And in the midst of ongoing violence, you know, an angel turned up and announced to some scared shepherds carrying a lot of anxiety at the time out in the fields. And they said this, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. It will cause great joy for all the people today in the town of David. A saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Then suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace. Everyone say peace. Peace. To those on whom his favor rests. On the first Christmas night, the angels announced the long-awaited Messiah, the long-awaited Prince of Peace has arrived. He's gonna bring peace on earth, peace to people, on whom his favor rests. This little baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger is no ordinary baby. This is God with us, God in the flesh, God coming into the world to save, to solve our problem of lacking peace. He lived a perfect life. If you read through the Gospels and you read his life, you'll, you'll see that he walked through incredible trouble and injustice, and yet he lived at peace. Even in the last moments of his life, which is recorded, that, that, that part of his life is recorded in more detail than any other part of his life. In the last moments of, of his life, as he's facing incredible injustice, an unjust trial, incredible physical pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain. He chooses in that moment not to retaliate, not to retaliate with his fists, not even to retaliate with his words. He chooses peace. And in that moment, as he's hung upon a cross, He's not just bringing people peace that were standing around him, mocking him and hurling insults at him and hurting him physically. He wasn't just bringing peace to them. He was bringing peace to us. He stretched out his arms on a cross and he took upon himself all that put us in conflict with God, all that stopped us living at peace with God. He took our sins. So this is what we've got to understand. This doctrine isn't very very um, popular these days. You know, we, we like to think everyone's a child of God. God is love and he loves everybody and that's true and everyone is in his family. It's not true. You see, we, we, we often mix up the doctrine of Imago Dei with the doctrine of adoption. Doctrine of Imago Dei says we're all made in the image of God. We're, we're, we're knit together in our mother's womb. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. God knows us. We're made in the image of God. Every person, male and female, every nation, tribe, race, language, everybody. But we become adopted into the family of God through faith in Christ. It's the only way. The only way we can actually come in to the family of God is through our faith in what Jesus has done on the cross. You see, your sin and my sin actually alienated us from God. It meant that we were out of relationship with God. Our relationship with God was broken. In fact, the Bible says we were enemies of God because of our sin. We were not children of God, we were children of wrath. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians. He says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, listen to this, by making peace 
through his blood shed on the cross. Once, this is before you had faith, before you had faith in Jesus, Lord and Saviour, once you were alienated from God. You were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. While we were still sinners, while we were alienated from God, while we were enemies of God, while our relationship with God was broken, God loved us still so much that he made the move to make peace through the blood of his son on the cross. It's a costly move. But he wanted you to know peace. He wanted your broken relationship with him to be reconciled. It's the good news of Christmas. It's the good news of Easter. When you receive, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour, when you receive him, As your saviour and king, you are now at peace with God. It's good news. You can say amen. Amen. We're in this series called Prepare Him Room. I want to encourage us to prepare room for peace in our own hearts and to prepare room for peace in this world, in our families. Let me just start with personally. How do we make room for peace in our hearts. Paul tells us, uh, Philippians chapter four, there's lots of places actually, but I'm just gonna read just uh, this one. Philippians chapter four says this, do not be anxious about anything. There are only six words, but they're pretty big six words for us today, aren't they? Do not be anxious about anything. Remember, Paul's in prison. He had every reason to be anxious. He says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How do you make room for peace in your heart? Paul says this, give thanks and pray constantly. You're battling with anxiety? There's a war going on for peace in your own heart? You wanna win that war? Give thanks, he says, and pray constantly. Can I encourage you, make room to give thanks this Christmas. Let me tell you about something really simple I've been doing as a dad in uh, my family uh, for many years. Before we open any presents in our family, I preach a sermon. (laughs) That's a real gift. (laughs) I don't quite preach a sermon. Before we open any presents, I lead our family in stopping and giving thanks for all the good things that God has already given us. Before we receive all this stuff, we give thanks to God for what he's done in this last year. And when our kids were young, I could see them just holding onto the lounge, just trying to, you know, just trying to stop themselves from ripping paper off presents. Now that they're a little bit older, I actually think it's become the most meaningful part of our Christmas tradition as we stop and we give thanks. Can I just encourage all the dads in the room? I know it's not easy when you've got kids to lead your family spiritually. Really simple way. Sometime over this Christmas season. Just stop. Make room for thanksgiving because thanksgiving brings peace when there's anxiety just swirling in our hearts about all the things we don't have and all the things that need to be done, stopping to give thanks for what he's already done brings peace, a peace that passes understanding. He says give thanks constantly and pray constantly. And I gotta do that. You've heard me talk about before and I feel an anxiety in my heart and the stress in my heart. I walk down to the dam. I put on peace. If you followed me, you'd almost see me doing this. I actually choose to put on peace like a garment. God, I know you've given me peace. I'm gonna take hold of it right now. And I just pray. I just thank him for what he's done. 
If you got walked in with some anxiety this morning, make room for peace in your heart. Give thanks and pray constantly. We're also called to make peace in this world, to make room for peace in this world. And I, it's such a privilege. We actually get to do that literally this Christmas. We're, get, we're gonna make a room in Cambodia where vulnerable women and kids will come and find peace. Mums will know that their kids are safe. They're gonna be nurtured. They're gonna hear about Jesus and they will never face the horrors of human trafficking. We get to be peacemakers. We get to make room for peace, not just in our own hearts, but in the world that we live in. I really want to encourage you to give of your treasure and your prayers generously. If we're going to make room for peace in the world around us, it's going to, cre- it's going to need a generosity of giving generously of our treasure and giving generously of our prayers. You know, Jesus says, you know, if you want to be a follower of mine, he took them up on the hill and he he began to teach them the ways of the kingdom of God and he taught them what it looks like to be his follower. And he said this right at the beginning of this long sermon. He says, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they'll be called sons of God. What he's saying is, my father is a peacemaker. He made the first move to make peace. He he sent me into the world to bring peace. In the heart of the Father is peace, a desire to make peace, to bring peace. And so if you're going to follow me, you're going to take on the character of my Father. You're going to be part of the kingdom of God breaking into this world. Then you too will be a peacemaker. You'll make the first move to make peace. And one of the ways that we do this is to pray generously for those who have hurt us. You want to make room for peace in this world, we pray generously for those who have hurt us. Jesus goes on in this sermon to say this, you've heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I'm going to tell you something different. Love your enemy. And pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Father is a peacemaker. You want to be like your Father. You'll pray generously for those who persecute you. I want to encourage you this Christmas. Pray for those who get up your nose. We all got some people that just get up our nose a little bit, right? Put your hand up if they're sitting in the same pew as you this morning. Put your hand up if they're standing on stage. Uh, I expected one, not six. Don't pray that God will smite them. Don't, Don't pray that they'll get food poisoning this Christmas. They'll eat some off turkey. Pray that God will bless them. I tell you, this I've seen this work in my own heart. 60 seconds a day. The person that causes you the most angst, really gets up your nose, the most conflict with, maybe the first move is actually to pray for them 60 seconds a day that God will pour out his blessings on them, love and kindness. You keep doing that for a few days, it changes your heart. You can't hold on to anger and hatred. That's why Jesus is saying it. Pray generously. For those who've hurt you, he goes on in this uh, same prayer to say, forgive, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. You see, peacemakers forgive those in the same way that we've been forgiven. Actually choose to forgive. Make them move to actually bring forgiveness to somebody else. None of us get off the hook here. You see, being a peacemaker is not just putting down our weapons. It's not just putting away our fists. 
It's actually choosing to make the first move to make peace. Listen to what, this is challenging, these verses. Jesus says in uh, the same sermon, he says, if you're offering your gift at the altar, if you're coming to worship and you're offering a gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Stop your worship, he's saying. First, go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. What Jesus is saying is don't worship me like this until you're ready to go and worship me like this. You see, worship is not just this. Worship of God, who is a peacemaker, is also this. Some of us may need to run out the door and go and make peace before we sing the next song. We've all got some relationships where there's some conflict, there's some tension, there's a lack of peace. And Jesus is saying, this is so important to me. Before you keep worshipping me like this, go and make peace like this. If you've received peace through faith in Christ, you are called to be a peacemaker on this earth. And peacemakers make the first move to make peace. That's not easy. It's risky. Sometimes it doesn't seem fair. It's hard to be the first person. It's hard to make the first move. When I was 15, I um, fell in love with a girl that was a little bit older than me. And she had her license and I didn't because she's a little bit older than me. (laughs) And I was sitting in uh, the front of her car in the passenger seat. And I loved her. I thought I was picking up the right vibes, but I wasn't sure. And I had to decide whether I was going to make the first move. Do you remember those days? It's kind of like, Somehow my hand landed on her hand. She looked at me and go, what are you doing? You're so young. (laughs) Uh, She didn't say that. Uh, I said, you know, do you want to go out with me? This is a true story. She was so, such a goody two-shoes. She said, I'll have to go and ask my dad. She went and asked her dad. He said, oh, I guess so. It's not as if you're going to marry him or anything. <laughs> He's so young. And <laughs> dads, be careful what you say to your daughters. It's risky making the first move. I wasn't sure if I was going to get rejected. Six years later, she's hassling me to marry her. Not quite true, but a little bit true. (laughs) Took her for a romantic lunch on the beach of a hamburger and chips. And then we walked, I've always been romantic. And then we walked up to the top of Baron Joey Headland, looking over the Pacific Ocean, and I'd hidden a ring in my board short pocket. And I made a move. I got down on one knee, and I said, I love you. I think you're a hottie. Will you marry me? No word of a lie. She said, I'll think about it. (laughs) It wasn't funny then. It's not funny now. Don't do it to poor blokes. I'm sitting there. Am I going to get rejected? 29 years later, sometimes we get into conflict. We may have one of those times in the car on the way home today. (laughs) It's still hard to make the first move. It's not fair. I don't want to be the first one to say sorry. I don't want to be the first one to make peace. It's not 
fair. It's not easy to make the first move. You don't know whether you're going to get rejected, and you might. It doesn't seem fair sometimes, and it won't be. But it could just change the trajectory of your life. It could change the trajectory of others' lives. Peacemakers, make the first move to make peace. Let me just say a couple of other things that I think are important. Firstly, you're called to be a peacemaker, not a peace achiever. Peacemakers make the first move to make peace in broken relationships, but they don't always succeed. Listen to this verse in the book of Romans. It says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it's possible, and as far as it depends on you. My dad taught me a lot about being a peacemaker. When I was about 12, we were on Christmas holidays. It was probably about a week later than today. It's just before Christmas, and dad was a builder. He had a client, owed him a lot of money, and was refusing to pay. It was causing a lot of financial strain on the business. And where we were staying, there was no phone. It was the olden days. And I remember driving down uh, to the corner. It was a phone box. And uh, Dad putting 20-cent pieces in uh, the phone box and ringing uh, this client and, you know, stating the case of why he needs to be paid. I was standing outside the phone box, and I could hear this person abusing my dad on the other end of the phone, just hurling abuse at my dad refusing to pay, then eventually hung up on my dad. My dad took a moment just to calm himself and he'd run out of 20-cent pieces. He came out and borrowed a 20-cent piece. He rang that person back and said, I don't want us to be in this conflict over Christmas. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. And blessed this person who just hurled insults at him. He made the move to make peace but he never achieved peace. He never got paid, and it almost sent him broke. About three years later, my dad was at fault this time. He hit someone riding a motorbike. He had an accident and caused this person a lot of pain. I remember sitting in the back seat of the car as a 15-year-old as uh, dad walked into the hospital ward to visit this people person in an attempt to make peace for the wrongs that he'd done. I remember being, I can't remember ever being more scared of my, for my dad and more proud of my dad at the same time. He didn't have to do it. Could have avoided the conflict, never seen that person, see that person again. But he wanted to make peace. But he didn't achieve peace. They said, we never want to see you again. Please don't come back here again. See, peacemakers make the first move to make peace. But you won't always succeed. You've just got to stand before God and say, I've done all that is possible. As much as it depends on me, I've made the move to make peace. You see, Jesus was a peacemaker, but not necessarily a peace achiever. He came into this world to make peace between us and God. But many people said, don't want it. I don't want what you got. I don't want the peace you've got to offer. I'll do life my own way and I hope that one day when I stand before my maker, I've done enough good things to outweigh the bad things and I'll be okay. The the bad news of the Bible is it won't be okay. You won't be able to make up for the wrongs that you have done. The only way to know lasting every moment of the day peace is to put your faith in Jesus Christ who shed his blood to wipe away every sin who was separated from his father so you will never have to be again. You see, we're called to be peacemakers but not peace compromisers. This next verse I'm going to read, I would have preferred just to leave it out of the message because it's confusing. It almost seems like it's contradictory but it's important. Jesus says this, do not think that I've come to bring peace on earth. I've not come to bring peace but a sword. 
For I've come to set a man against his father and a daughter against a mother and a daughter-in-law against a mother-in-law and a man's foes will be those of his own household. It sounds confusing, isn't it? It sounds contradictory. But if we read it in context, we see that Jesus is saying the gospel that I'm bringing, the good news that I'm bringing, the offer of peace that I'm bringing, it will be offensive to some. Some people will find offense at this message but we can never compromise the message because it's the only way to know peace. And in your families, sharing the good news of Jesus with people who do not know the good news of Jesus, there will be times it creates offence. And we're to do it with gentleness and with respect and with kindness, but it won't always be received well. You see, Jesus was a peacemaker, but he was never a peace compromiser. He will never sweep anyone's sin under the carpet. Refuses to do it. He doesn't want to sweep your sin under the carpet. He wants to forgive your sin and he wants to set you free from sin because he knows if you hold on to it, he knows if anyone will hold on to it, it'll continue to damage us on the inside. It'll continue to damage our relationships. It'll continue to damage this broken world that we live in. And so he came to do away with the power of sin, to break the power of sin. He will never compromise. He'll never sweep it under the carpet. He's a peacemaker and he offers peace to every single person, but not everyone will receive it. And sometimes it'll cause offense. We're called to be peacemakers, not peace compromisers. But can I encourage you, if there's ever a season that people are happy to hear the message of Jesus and sing praise to Jesus at this season. Bring your family, bring your friends to carols next weekend. Just bring them. Even if it says it's full on the website, just bring them. We'll find a seat. I guarantee we'll find you a seat. Just turn up. We'll find you a seat for you and your friends and your family. We're called to be peacemakers, not peace achievers. We're called to be peacemakers, not peace compromisers. And lastly, we're called to be peacemakers, not peace keepers you see peacekeepers they keep two warring parties apart they they actually use their presence to keep two groups from killing one another and that's not what we're called to do because it's not what Jesus did Jesus didn't come as a peacekeeper he didn't come to keep us and God apart because our sin alienated us from God. He actually came to bring us together, to bring us close, to bring us into his very presence. He came to build a bridge between us and God so that we could know the presence of God every day. You see, the peace that God offers us, it's not dependent on the absence of trouble, but it's completely dependent on the presence of Jesus. He is a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. And we're called to be, listen to what he says. Let me read one more verse. In Romans, it says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We stand before the throne of grace with confidence because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. So we can be peacemakers in another nation this year. We actually get to make peace for kids and for women in a nation on another side of the world. We get to be peacemakers. And we get to be peacemakers in our own families this Christmas. And that might cost us more because we've got to make the first move to make peace. Peacemakers make the first move to make peace in a broken relationship. But you can't be a peacemaker if you haven't received that peace for yourself. The extent to which you can offer peace to others is the extent to which you live at peace with God yourself. You know, on the last night of his life, Jesus says, my peace, I leave you. My peace, 
I give you. The very people who are going to deny him, betray him, he gave them peace. He's incredibly kind. No matter what your weeks look like, no matter what your years look like, no matter what your decade or the past, uh, your past life has looked like, God is so kind. He wants to give you peace today. And he wants to give you peace forevermore. It is a peace that passes understanding. It, it is a peace that has nothing to do with the absence of trouble, but is completely dependent on the presence of Jesus. It's a peace that Horatio Spafford came to know a century or so ago. He lost his fortune in a fire and he lost his four daughters on a ship. Everything was ripped away from him. And yet he was able to write this hymn that we're going to sing in just a few minutes' time. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. Jesus has made the first move to make peace between you and God. The next move is up to you. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning. If you're here and you walked in and you're just not living at peace with God, you're uncertain about your position before God. Maybe there was a time where you actually knew God and worshipped God, but that was a long time ago. Or, or maybe you've never really, you know, understood what the message of Jesus is all about. You thought it was about religion and following a whole bunch of laws. And maybe today the penny's just dropping. It's actually about a relationship. It's actually about being invited into a relationship where we live every day in the very presence of the grace of God. I want to give you an opportunity today. If you know there's sin in your life that you need to be forgiven of. You need Jesus to wash clean. I'm going to just invite you to pray a prayer with me. I'm going to invite you to invite the peace of God into your heart as you put your faith in Jesus as Lord and Saviour. I'm just going to ask everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads. And if that's a prayer you want to pray today, Say, Jesus, come and wash me clean of my sin and give me peace. Can I just encourage this while every eye is closed and head's bowed? If that's the prayer in your heart today, can I just get you to raise your hand just so I can see it for a moment? Just as an act of faith. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you, guys. Bless you. Awesome. Who else today? Just say, that's my prayer. That's cool. See that hand. Thank you. Bless you. All right, you can just put your hands down now. If that's you, just want to encourage you this morning. Just in your heart, just pray these words with me. Father God, thank you for always loving me. I'm sorry for the way that I've sinned against you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. I ask today that you would forgive my sin. I put my faith in Jesus as Lord and Saviour. I ask today that you would fill my heart with peace. I pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Hey, can we just put our hands together this morning, just encourage those who prayed that prayer. Can I encourage you, if that was you, if you're online this morning, just let someone know in the chat. Just click that button. That'd be awesome. Just uh, If you're here in the room, can I encourage you? Uh, at the end of our service, there'll be some prayer team and pastoral team down the front. We'd just love to connect with you, encourage you, pray for you, give you a Bible. Please do that. Can we stand together this morning? We're going to sing that song. I just quoted before it is well with my soul. In just a minute. But before we do, I'm just going to invite some people to come and receive peace. Maybe you did walk in here today with carrying some anxiety. Maybe you've walked in here knowing you've got conflict in a relationship and you need God to bring peace. Maybe you need God to bring you courage to make the first move to make peace.
peace, to be a peacemaker. I'm just going to get our prayer team and our pastoral team just to come down the front right now. If you could just uh, spread out down the front, that'd be awesome. And can I just encourage, just start to come. Jesus is so kind. He says to the people who are about to betray him, my peace I give you, my peace I leave with you. No matter what you're walking through, no matter what you've gone through, no matter how you've turned your back on him or you know, how you've just forgotten about him for a while, He's got peace to give you. He loves to give peace. He loves to fill our hearts with peace. Whatever it is that's causing you anxiety, or maybe you need courage to be a peacemaker, just come. Let these guys begin to pray for you. Come on, just start to come now. Start to come. The team's going to start to sing for us. It is well. We're going to keep singing in a moment, but I'm just going to pray. Just continue to come. Let me pray. Father God, this morning, God, pour out peace. Pour out peace through your Holy Spirit. Come and bring peace in our hearts. May your peace rule in our hearts. God, may we not be anxious about anything, but may we know a peace that passes understanding. God, where there's anxiety about finance, where there's anxiety about next year, where there's anxiety about a a broken relationship in a family, God, right now, would you bring your peace? God, where we need courage to actually take the first step to make peace, to make the first move, God, would you bring courage today? God, that... There's some families here where there's been brokenness and estrangement for a long time, like years. I just believe God is saying today, I am the ultimate peacemaker. I'm patient. There's always hope. God, would you bring peace in families today? Would you bring peace in marriages today? God, would you give us courage to make the first move to make peace? Pray in Jesus' name. Just continue to come. Come on. Just come and receive the peace of God. If you're online, just uh, let one of the prayer team know in the chat that you need prayer. The rest of us, come on, just lift up our praise to God. It is well. It is well with my soul.
We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to encourage you on your journey. Help us help you by going to gatewaybaptist.com.au and clicking on Get Connected.